Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Shh. We'll wait for Adelio to get his coffee. <laughs> and, and Alex. Can't go under the bus by himself. He's got to take someone with him. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad you are here with us live and online. We're going to pause. We are going to pray. And we are going to open our hearts and our ears, our minds to what God would say to us today. Father, may we be filled with gratitude that we have opportunity to collectively come before you and ask that you would, in some mysterious way, speak to us, speak into our lives, life itself, that you would transform us and move us from places that are broken to places that are healed, to move us from death to life, to open our eyes and our understanding to things that are real that maybe we just don't see. Thank you again for this time, Lord. Bless for your name's sake. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday. Um, uh, just to let you guys know, last week we had a couple of good events. On Friday we had something called Night Sesh, which is an opportunity for the community to come out to Genesis Works right across the parking lot. And if you have any projects you're working on, so if you're working on some art and you're trying to start a small business or maybe you're making a blanket or something, it's time for people to come together that are creating, to get inspired from other people that are creating, and to kind of just be in a room where we're doing stuff. And it was really cool. We had some people come out and uh, had a good time. And then the next day, which was Saturday, we started this thing called Full Circle, which is community discussions. And we're not talking about anything in particular, but the idea is we get different people together to actually talk. And it's okay to disagree. It's okay to challenge and ask questions, but it's done respectfully. And it's meant to get us to think and to talk and converse and be real people. And that was also pretty cool. We had some people show up. And even though I found out there was a baseball game that day, People were there, and I think we had a pretty good discussion. But um, this coming week, we have uh, Take Two, which is on Wednesday at 6.30 in this room, the Genesis building, and 
again, with the conversation, I think it's really nice to be in a space where you can ask questions, you can disagree, and it's not seen as disrespectful. It's seen as like, oh, you have a question, let's let's talk about it. So uh, if you show up at 6.30 a little bit early, there's a chance to talk and converse as a group. And then at 7, it's kind of a talk show where there's two people on stage doing the whole talk show thing. So uh, please come to that. There's normally fresh fruit and stuff for you to eat, good conversation and kind of food for the soul stuff. And I would think other than that, uh, if you are so inclined, there are plenty of different ways to give to Genesis. So because I'm doing the announcements. Uh, if you look on the screen there, you can go to genesisstory.com, you can go to Zelle, you can do Venmo, you can mail in with an envelope. And um, one of the cool things uh, about the genesisstory.com, we use this service called Clover. So you can just set a reoccurring gifts. So it's like one of those infomercials where you can like set it and forget it. And I'll just send you an email like, oh, this happened every month. And you're like, cool, keep happening. But um, that's it for the announcements. And I have some scriptures to read. So I am going to start with Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and the title of that section is Lay Up Treasures in Heaven. So, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, so... There your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And then there's one more scripture, which, yeah? Oh, no, that's the only scripture. So, cool. Thank you, guys. That's me and my unclearness again. Okay. This morning, we're going to be talking about singularity, having a single eye, having a good eye. And I'm going to talk to you about different countries, Replacing a clutch, a new couch, finding Nemo, and diet and exercise. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> you know, the, the first thing we have to do is, is, after hearing the passage, is define some things that Jesus said. He talks about treasures on earth and, and treasures in heaven, and, and it's in important for us to understand and distinguish the difference. You know, when you travel to different countries, it's important to know the customs of those countries because otherwise you can get into trouble if you're not aware of what things are like there or even the words that we use. You go to another country. I remember going uh, to Wales and one time one of the people who went there said, yeah, I only brought one pair of pants, but pants in their culture means underwear. 
right? And so it's like, they're like, why are you sharing that with us? You know, it's kind of a, a strange thing. Or even like the name Randy. If you use the word Randy in Europe, it, it, it's, it means amorous. That's the nice way of saying it, right? And so if you were to say, hey, Randy, what are you doing in Europe? There are a lot of people would look, but for a different reason. They were wondering what's going on. And so understanding those differences is important. It's an under, important for us to understand Heaven and earth are realms of authority. A different spirit is driving them. Uh, the overlap we saw even last week at the very beginning is something that God created the heavens and the earth and it was good. And the earth was a place where the authority, will, or rule of God was continuing through those who he created, the, the people, right? The humans that were there were continuing Basically, the kingdom, the will of God to be displayed, but there is a tearing apart. There was a, a break that happened from the garden of God. Humans chose their own authority, autonomy, their own independence, and then they yield their right to the their, the right to the garden. They no longer have the right to this garden, and they yielded it through the choices they made and the independence that they were seeking. And so then heaven becomes the place where God's will is done, and earth becomes the place where other wills are done. And so treasure in heaven isn't about streets of gold and crowns that you wear, but it's a way of saying you value the things that God values. And treasures on earth is a way of saying you value the things that the earth, the place where the human wills are being displayed, what they value. And so there is this difference that is taking place and meant by the the treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And this is about allegiance to. Jesus points out the temporary nature to the earth's treasure. He talks about moth, rust, thieves, these things being lost, not having enduring value, as opposed to the treasures of heaven that are lasting and and moth can't destroy it, thieves can't break in and steal. And, And Jesus then talks about an evil eye and a good eye, and it sounds like he's talking about something else, but he's really saying the same thing in three different ways. He's got two places of treasure, two eyes, and then two masters. These are all parallelisms where he's talking about this and he's showing it up in different ways. And in the ancient Eastern Proverbs, there was an evil eye and a good eye. And an evil eye was basically a greedy eye, and a good eye was a generous eye. And so if you had an evil eye, you saw everything through scarcity. And then it would result in hoarding. If you had a good eye, it would show up in abundance, and it would result in generosity. And so you can look upon the world and see scarcity, or you can look and see abundance. From this, your life declares its allegiance. What do you see? How do you see it? This is the frame by which you are conducting yourself in one of these ways. The bottom line is we cannot be devoted to, and here the translation says money, 
the word is actually mammon, and it was the idea of actually a god who had possessions. You, you can't serve both of them. And of course, we have both. We have money. You, you can have money and still serve God. Jesus was sponsored by people. His ministry was sponsored by people who gave money. One of them was Joanna, who was the wife of Herod's treasurer. And so money isn't bad in itself. You can have both. The thing is, how do you conduct yourself with both? We're able to do good things with money. You guys donated $3,240 to Haiti so that they could get Bibles in their own language. So good things can be done with money. So then how do we lean further into this? And I, I think having the proper relationship with money is important. Understanding how to use money and not be used by money is important. And I love that in this whole idea of the politics of Jesus and this idea of now touching into money and the singularity of thought, that God is interested in every aspect of our life. And this is one of them as well. And I'm going to have uh, Brian and Alex come up and share a little bit just on how money has changed in their use of it in their lives. And I think you guys will find this very interesting. Brian, Alex? I just start throwing dollars. Sorry. All right. Are we okay sharing this one like this? Yes. Okay, cool. Oh, good morning. How good are we doing? Good morning. Uh, I'm Brian. <clears throat> this is my beautiful wife, Alex. And uh, Sam asked us to share a little bit about our, our financial journey. And um, did you want to start with how your family saw money and how you saw money growing up? Sure. Right. I think it's interesting when you bring a couple together, right? You grow up in different households and you have different relationships with money. And when we were getting married, everyone was like, oh, you need to do Financial Peace University. And we didn't get to it before getting married. So we actually got to it a year after. Um, and it was in that that we got to explore a little bit more about our personal relationships with money and how we were brought up with money before talking about bringing those practices together. And I think for me, uh, my mom always makes jokes that like when I'd get in, in Hispanic culture, there's something called domingo. So like grandparents on Sundays will give you like, oh, like domingo, you go up to them, they give you money. And then I'd get my dollars and I'd like iron them and I'd put them carefully away and I wouldn't spend them. And, you know, I was just like very... I'd keep it in the space. I, I would rarely spend. I'd, like, save up for one thing. And I was very, like, meticulous about it. I was very, like, no, well, you know, I'll keep it. I don't need to spend it. And they, my grandparents would always make fun of me. They're like, Alexandra always, like, está bien coda, you know? Like, she's such a tightwad. She never wants to do anything with her money. Um, but it was never anything, like, I didn't think too much of it. But that was the relationship I had with money, you know? That's what money looked like in our house. It was nothing that we were spending, like, casually or that money was just going everywhere. But I, so I guess when I got it, I was like, oh, this is special. And, I, you know, I was being trusted with it. And I'd put it in a safe place. And then I'd never spend it. So it's probably <laughs> still hidden somewhere in, like, my grandma's house. But, yeah, that's kind of, like, what money was like, you know? Um, so the evil eye. Yeah, in different ways. I mean, what was money like in your home growing up? Yeah, so for me, um, we're both uh, first generation, and I was raised by my mom, the majority, 
and my my dad was a bit absent. So my mom was a bit of a I don't know. She wasn't like a hippie per se, but she wasn't like very strict with money, and she didn't teach me about money. She didn't teach me about credit. I don't think it's because she didn't know about it herself. So um, she was she was like that with even girls. She's like date as many girls as possible. If you got to spend your money, spend it. She just wasn't very like like. Um, she's a wise, prayerful woman, mm-hmm. but she was also very like experienced life as a child and, and, and do what you got to do. She wasn't asking me to save my money. She didn't teach me about what that looked like. And so when Alex was saying that we got married and people were asking us to um, go through financial peace and talk about what money looks like together and spending money together, mm-hmm. we didn't understand. Um, we didn't have a poor relationship with money, but when we got together, we're like, all right, what does our money look like together? What is it? What do we, should we put our money in one big box? Should we take it out when we need it? What is um, having a relationship with money and telling money what our money to do rather than our money telling us to do? What did that look like? You know? Yeah. So, and I think one of the terms that you're using even right now is having a relationship with money, right? That's such like a foreign concept. That's something we can have a relationship with, but it, anything that we're not doing intentionally is going to unintentionally direct your life, right? Yeah. So stepping into a relationship with money, I think has really given us freedom. It's so silly because you're like financial freedom and all this, like it's real, it's real life, you know? And so next month is our wedding anniversary and it's also our financial peace university (laughs) anniversary. We would have been, we're, so we're debt free. We're doing all that good stuff. And like he uh, inherited, you know, two private schools, two degrees of private school debt. Um, And, you know, Brian didn't have any of that. And, like, so there was a a lot of... But I had my own, like... Yeah, we had different... uh, Yeah, growing up debt, you know. So, like, I had, like, a handful of debt. She had debt. And, like, one of the things they talk about is, like, if you are in debt, you're a slave to the debtor. Yeah. You know, so you can't be free unless you um, get rid of the debt first. And you can't have freedom unless you're playing inside of a fence um, that allows you to give, you know. So, like... Um, we had to learn some concepts, mm-hmm. um, getting rid of the debt. It took us a long time. And um, one of them was like snowballing your debt. So you would start with the smallest one. That's like one of the, the things they start with. They asked us to cut some credit cards up the day of. And everybody had a very hard time with just taking the – like literally in class, we're like laid out your credit cards. They handed us some scissors and people were like, no, 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 no way. Yeah, like couples were fighting over that. Yeah, they didn't want to. And they're like, no, this is what happens if somebody gets sick. And then we're <laughs> like, we get it. And so that, that should make you very aware of um, – why you know how nervous you're getting about about cutting that up you know yeah. and what and what belongs to that so um so the, the got rid of the debt not saying that everything turned around instantly but what did happen was um slowly we became um aware of where our money was going <clears throat> she's they talk about these terms called the nerd and the free spirit in the relationship and she, if, as you could tell, she uh, she was the nerd, and I was like, so she had to learn to become less rigid. I had to become more rigid. I'm not ironing our dollars anymore. <laughs> that's no longer the case. But she does have a filing cabinet. <laughs> I uh, sure do. Of money. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's yeah. part of it, is right? Creating tools and systems to help you have better relationships, not for it to necessarily rule your life, but for you to be able to manage it in a way that's kingdom kingdom minded, right? And I think that was great too, is because. We had very different understandings of what money could do for folks. And I, you know, based on different relationships and growing up and all that, um, one of the things or the images that they had shared during the Financial Peace University that really stuck with me and similar to what you were sharing earlier is like money is like bricks. You can use it to 
throw in a window and break a window or you can build a house with it, right? There's so many different things that you could do, but it's how you choose to use it and how you understand it to be able to be used just determines what the outcome is going to look like. And I think since going through Financial Peace University, like Brian said, it's definitely a work in progress and we're always a work in progress, but we've created a healthy, at least what I think is a really healthy relationship with money and be able to give it back to God and allow him to use it and use us in ways that we never imagined like our ability to love people with the financial resource like we didn't even know we could do that we couldn't we we had the capacity to give that way you know we're middle class we're working we're doing all these things and then god just like multiplies it and then you give and it changes now our natural reaction to things whenever we're blessed with certain stuff we're like, oh, we have to give a portion of it like because it's not ours in the first place, right? So our natural reaction now has sort of shifted to anytime we're receiving something, a portion of it we have to give back to somebody or to back to the church or anything like that. But Yeah, that was a really cool moment where we finally got debt-free and we got to like make a list of um, people and organizations that we wanted to give to. And, um, you know, we got to, you know, bless Sam and Kareen and the church. And we have family members and stuff that we people we thought about that were like could use some money. And we're like, well, what just happened? You know, we went from like, you know, almost $70,000 in debt to like being able to hand out like thousands of dollars, which is like uh, like a huge, uh, huge blessing. So, um, yeah, and got to we got to help build the building over there. We got to um, and still being able to like learn what the next level looks like because there is a level yeah. of understanding that we're still not we're still learning together. So, yeah, that's 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 our journey. So, oh, the next thing is Alex is is feeling led to want to lead a financial peace university class at Genesis. So maybe if you're thinking about it or know somebody, if you're watching online and you feel led to um, take the class or the course, it, you're gonna have to cut up some credit cards. But you know, you're like, <laughs> just come, just empty out the credit cards before we you can start with an ironing. <laughs> yeah, well, iron dollars. Yeah, we'll like, cut up credit cards. It's gonna be like, arts and crafts. Yeah, it's it's really what it is yeah. around dollars. We put ours in a frame and we hung it up. We just yeah, it. Like, it was yeah. all cut up. It was, it was weird. But. And also too, it's not something that you have to do with like a, a romantic partner, anybody that you're in a relationship with. It's definitely like practices that it's more about accountability, right? So if we're doing this collectively, it's about finding a group of people who are committed to moving in a positive direction and growth, right? And so the idea is that we're each other's accountability in a class like that. And so, yeah, I was like, this is so, I, I love sharing it. I, I shared it with my mom and now she's doing, she has her own spreadsheet. She shared it with her sisters. My, my cousin did it for her boyfriend. Like, it's so cool to be able to just give somebody that tool and allow them to create some freedom and best practices in their life because it really is like, it's an amazing thing to not have to worry about those things. You really are a slave to debt. And yeah, there's been a lot of freedom. And so, yes, this is like public um, confirmation and accountability that I'm going to be looking into the financial peace classes to bring it to our Genesis community and the outside community, anybody who wants to join. So Beautiful. yeah, hopefully that <clears throat> little. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you guys. So stay tuned. That's coming here in the near future. Uh, money's not evil, right? And I love how Jesus leans in and talks about this because he, he sees the importance of these things and how we use the things that are a part of our life. There is a passage in Luke where he, he talks about the same thing that he talked about here in Matthew, but it's a little punchier. Right? And it's in Luke 14, verse 33. And you'll, you'll see what I mean by a little punch here. He says, So therefore, 
Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. It's like, okay, right? And I want to dig into this, because what do we do with this? And why is it so threatening, maybe, right? It's one of those things, like even as they were mentioning cutting up credit cards, if you were like, "Ah," you know, if you had that kind of feeling, maybe you read this and you have that similar feeling of like, why is this affecting me so much? Maybe because we have so much. And as we dig into this a little bit more, there's three things I, I want to look at. The words that he uses to renounce and all that he has and the word cannot be my disciple because hidden in these words or these phrases is a lot of meaning, right? It's holding something up. And, and to renounce means to give up, to, to bid farewell, to send away, to say bye, And so if we're not willing to say goodbye to the things that we have, we can't be his disciple. And that idea of saying goodbye is pretty self-explanatory. But then when he goes into all that he has, that literally it means to come under and to begin to support Years ago, I, I had a 240Z. It was actually my wife's that I inherited. She got a van, lucky her. Um, and I had to change the clutch out on it. And it had a, a manual clutch. And to do that, you have to pull out the transmission. And, and it's pretty low to the ground. I had it on you know, these car jacks, but I had to get under there and I had to hold out the transmission and then put in the clutch. And so I'm there trying to hold up this transmission to line the clutch up and you get the spindle and you know, you're holding that for a while. And even though it was a small car, that clutch started to weigh a lot. And as I'm holding it up, I remember my wife and children slowly started to back away as they heard noises coming from under the the car that they had not heard. And I uttered sounds that made them terrified and leave the garage and, and go hide for cover because it weighed so much after a while that all I could do was scream at the thing. When you own something, you begin a new relationship with whatever it is that you own, and you start to hold it in mysterious ways that can start to weigh on you. And everything we own has this ability. We just bought a new couch, and we picked it out. We we found the type of couch we want, the size of couch that we want, the type of cushions we went there, and we purchased it, and then we waited for 10 months for them to make it and finally get it. And so we already began this relationship with this couch. It was like we waited longer for this couch than I did for my own children. And then I start to realize I'm coming under and I'm upholding this new relationship with this couch and it's starting to possess me. If you guys remember our old couch, we had it for 
20 plus years. It went through four kids and grandkids. And if you sat in it, you would almost be swallowed by it. It was just one of those couches. You just whoo, and it just almost went down to the ground. But you see, I had a different relationship with that couch. Judah could eat his pancakes on that couch and it was no problem, which he did. And sometimes they weren't even on the plate. They were just literally on the couch, right? But the new couch and the new relationship I have is affecting my relationship with my grandson because I don't want the pancakes on the couch. Thankfully, he doesn't use syrup. <laughs> I, I know. It's... But now I'm more mindful. Now, now I'm holding up this couch and the relationship in a different way. Now it's affecting me in a different way. Now I'm more mindful of what's happening and Judah has his own little table that he can eat on because he, he, he's a mess, right? I mean, it's just all over his hands. It's all over the couch. And so it's starting to affect these things. Jesus isn't talking about just giving up things. He's talking about saying farewell to the hold that things have on this relationship with us. And in the Greek, it's a present Active participle means it's a continual thing. It's happening all the time. I didn't just go and buy a couch and the transaction was done. It's something that I did that is affecting me still. It's something that's still a part of my life that's going to change as time goes on, but it's still present. It's still something that I have hold of and that I'm holding in this relationship. It's something I came under, began the relationship with and continuing that relationship so long as it is mine. I'm in relationship with it. And we have this relationship with everything, right? I have it with my shirt. I have it with my hat representing the Dodgers. They did great this year. Thank you, Dodgers. <laughs> if we were healthy, we would have took it all. Um, my shoes, my car, my house. These are all things that I have relationships with and come under and call mine. So everything that is mine is something that I am now holding in relationship with. And you start thinking how exhausting that is with all the things I own and all the things I have. And the word for cannot, cannot be my disciple is two different words, which in combination, it means one of the words is dunamis, which is the idea of power, dynamite. And the whole idea is that here is something that now has power over you. One scholar's translation of this verse, it says, unless you surrender the ongoing activity of making things mine, you lack the power to be my disciple. That's powerful. I want to read that again. Unless you surrender the ongoing activity of making things mine, you lack the power to be my disciple. Why? Because now other things have the power over you. The things, the money, how people see you. So Jesus is not threatening us. He's telling us the reality of the relationships that we hold with things, with money, with possessions. Remember in the book of Acts how everyone 
had a heart and soul together, and they said that nothing belonged to them, but they had everything in common. It's telling us about a relationship they had with things and with one another and how the things that they had were able to enhance the relationships they had. What happens though when the things are just mine? When they just belong to me? Do you see how relationship with things have an effect on how we live? And back to Matthew, he says, you cannot serve God and money. There is a literal power in some mystical way when we choose to make something mine. Guys, remember Finding Nemo and the seagulls, right? Mine, 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 mine. And they just like mine, mine. That's a perfect picture. And I go in my house and I start thinking, mine, mine. Mine, 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 mine. And I start realizing all these things have some say in my life. And you guys know me. I've shared pretty openly. I love gadgets. I love things. It's, I mean, I just see something. I go, oh, yeah, that looks amazing. I, I, I have to have that. And some of these things are amazing. When I walk into my room at night and it's dark, I get close to my bed and underneath my bed, the light goes on. Mine. I bought that on Amazon. Don't get me started. Too late. I got started. So how do we practice not mining things in a way that pushes against our devotion to the treasures in heaven? We, we change how we take hold of things, our, our buying practices. We evaluate how things take hold of us, how they take our time, how they require of us. And now I have to wash that, and now I have to pay for that, so I have to work for that. For me, this includes how much I work and even how much I spend time at at church, what things are really important to me. Right now, Corrine is with my grandbabies and I'm with a dog because I'm boarding a dog. And this week, it just happened to be that way. I couldn't visit my grandbabies because I have to take care of this dog although I might take this dog to go visit my grandbabies later. I'm going to work that out. But do you see, life is a series of transactions. But how are we making these transactions? Is it just transactional? Is everything in my life transactional? I I do this, I get that, I, I see this, I buy this, I you know, say a prayer, I get Jesus or I get an answer. I I read the Bible and I get information. I go to church, I get points. And we can make life transactional instead of relational. You know, there's of course transactions that are are good and we see them. If, If you eat well, have a good diet, you are healthier. If you exercise You get in shape. If you read, you learn information. But have you ever noticed, and maybe it's just me, that when I just diet 
to lose weight, I still love pizza. And the people who maintain, it's like, I'm gonna exercise so I can get this goal. I've got this transaction mentality. I'm going to just do this to get that are the people who don't maintain that. But the people who actually love cooking and cooking well are the ones who maintain the healthy diet. Those people who love exercising. There are people who love exercising, right? They go, man, I can't go wait to go out and work out. It's like, what's, what's going on here? They have a different relationship with it. And that relationship is what allows that to continue because what they want is to engage in it and then they get the benefits of it. The people who love to read are the ones who stay reading and just getting information, not just the ones who do it when they're in school. The formation of our lives is taking place in the transactions and the relationship we have in those transactions. And here is the the opportunity for us to pursue the treasures in heaven as opposed to the treasures on earth. To realize that we have the opportunity to be a, a disciple or a consumer. And we can't be both. And so opportunity now to have a new relationship that transforms who we are with the things around us. And that money is something that we can have a healthy relationship with, even as Brian and Alex were sharing, that now is a tool in our hands that allows us to do things to help people causes the things that we want. Imagine this woman, Joanna, whose husband worked for Herod, who's trying later on to get rid of Jesus and doesn't realize that he's financing him because this woman is using what she has to support what he did. That's just awesome. That's so like God. And what would happen if we saw ourselves with the things that we have, the things that we call mine, and instead of having this possession, having this idea of opportunity. I can give this. I can use this for things that are greater than just myself. At the very beginning, when I was talking about the politics of Jesus, remember we are moving from the politics of this world, which is pursuing individual liberties, what I can get, what I can have, what freedoms I can maintain or or develop, to the understanding of the kingdom of God has no borders, it has no boundaries, and it is something that is collective. It is us, it is we, this mentality. Having that change of mind, having that understanding and shift of how we see the world is a part of this because the politics of Jesus includes how we live in the areas of our finances and how we use our monies. And to see them as tools in our life and in the hands of God that can be used for all kinds of things. 
to buy ice cream, to visit grandkids, to help buy Bibles and Creole for the Haitians. How are we seeing this? What are we holding up and what is our relationship with the things that we have? And how can we allow this to shape us so that we have treasures in heaven? Let's pray. God, may you continue to challenge us where we really live. May we hear your words. And when you say things like, unless we give everything up, we cannot be your disciple. May we understand what you are speaking to us, how important it is to recognize what we give power to in our lives what has hold of us, what we are holding and giving our allegiance to. And may we be people who are in such relationship with you that everything that comes into our lives comes into the power of that relationship, comes under the control of that dynamic. And now it becomes fuel for the kingdom. It it becomes power to do good. It, It knits us together. It cares for us and each other and builds up your kingdom and not just our own world. And I pray, Lord, that we would allow the thought of all these things to work their way deep into our lives. And maybe there is a sense of hoarding or a sense of an evil eye by the things that we are doing with our money, with our finances, or even our time. Help us, Lord, to wrestle with these things. That was your intention. And may... It produce in each of us treasure that can't be taken away, that won't be lost because it's found in you. And I, I want to challenge all of us who, who have either watched and heard this or are here to understand that once again, Jesus is calling us to make a decision of how we are to live our lives. And the whole point of why we gather is to step into these challenges and to make these decisions. And if you are being challenged this morning and are feeling like you're having to make some changes, we'd love to be a part of whatever those changes look like in your life. And you can write to us online, email us. You can come visit. You can call me. My phone number is everywhere. You can just call me and we can talk. But make that change and let's make these changes together. Amen. May you lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven that cannot be taken away. And may you not give power to anything that will not empower you for the kingdom's sake. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great week. 
You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.